0: as we went along our timeline of the next three weeks uh, of Easter. We began with our leaflet advertising our Easter services. And although that isn't the technical purpose for today, it was a good starting point. Today is called Passion Sunday. And it's the opportunity at the beginning of those last weeks of, of Lent and up to Easter to think a little bit about what happens on the cross and in the empty tomb. If you've seen the film, The Passion of the Christ, you'll know where it gets its title from. And we go from today, as I already said this morning, from Passion Sunday to Palm Sunday to Monday, Thursday to Good Friday to Holy Saturday and to Easter Day. But I guess we set that aside the end of our series on prayer that we've been in together since the end of January. And it feels like we're ending on a bit of a downer and I hope that isn't how it feels but as we, as we planned which weeks we wanted to look at which topics on the reading of the Garden in Gethsemane which fits so well with Passion Sunday seemed to fit with the title Praying When We Struggle. Because actually it's in Jesus' great passion in the cross and the empty tomb that we truly see God at work. And we truly see God's purposes for all his people. I guess as we see in the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, we also see Jesus' real human struggles. We see Jesus struggling with what he knows is going to happen to him. And we see that tension between Jesus holding on to God's will for him and the tension of how he feels as a human being. I think in that reading of the Garden at Gethsemane, we see something of what might help us when we struggle. Let's look at the story for a moment before we come to a slide which I've put up too quickly. This is not the traditional reading for Palm Sunday. It's a reading that comes a little later in the journey towards Easter Day. We're well into the story of Jesus being in Jerusalem in Matthew 26. It's in Matthew 21 that Matthew records Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. That moment when the crowd shout Hosanna and wave their palms. And as you then read on in Matthew's Gospel through Matthew 21, through right the way through to Matthew 28, you see what Matthew records as happens when Jesus is in Jerusalem. Or at least what Matthew puts in that between the Palm Sunday reading and the resurrection. There's quite a lot in there, and if we think that it was a week, then I hasten to suggest that maybe it didn't all happen in the last week. But Matthew puts it there because it reveals to us something about what Jesus is going to do on the cross and at the empty tomb. You get the stories of the wicked tenants, of the wedding banquet, of the ten bridesmaids. You get Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem and speaking to the disciples about his resurrection. And it's well into that story that we come to the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 26. Just before it, we've had Judas betraying Jesus. And then we've had Jesus sharing the bread and the wine for the first time and washing his disciples' feet. And then Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Jesus says, you will deny me three times. And of course, Peter says, no, never, never will I deny you. And it's after that really important story that we now mark in Maundy Thursday that Jesus and the disciples go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes because he is struggling. Jesus goes because he's not sure how he feels about all that is about to happen. And I think it's interesting in verse 36, that after they've got to the garden, Jesus leaves most of the disciples in one place and takes the two, the, the two sons of Zebedee and Peter off with him. And I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling like I don't know where to turn, The last thing I need is hundreds of people around me. I want those small people, group of people who I trust, who I know to be with me. And it's just after Jesus goes off with Zebedee's sons and with Peter, that we we begin to see just how much he's struggling. He says in verse, verse 37, He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Or grieved and agitated, as some of the other translations translate it. I don't know about you, but as I read Jesus through the rest of the Gospels, they're not words that you normally find Jesus using about himself. Sometimes we need to be able to say we're struggling. Sometimes we need to be able to let out what's going on inside us just as Jesus was about to. And I think what this passage does is to give us four ways, the four ways that are on the screen, that we respond when we're in that place of struggling or being grieved or being agitated or being frustrated. Four things that I think Jesus does that we can do. First of all, in verses 38 and 39, Jesus is honest. He's honest and he acknowledges his struggles to his friends. I think actually that's the starting point. And that sounds so easy to say, because often we're het up, we're frustrated, we're unsure. We don't know what we're struggling with. But the first stage is to recognise and be honest about how we struggle. Jesus says to his friends in verse 38, I am deeply grieved even to death, Remain here and stay awake with me. I want to suggest that there's two sides to this point. Because you can sit and look at this point when you're struggling or you can be the friends. And I think as a church, actually it's about both of us watching out. We need to watch out for those moments. We need to reach out to our friends and say, hey, this week's a bit rubbish, this month's a bit rubbish, this year's a bit rubbish. We also need to be looking out for our friends. When are our friends showing the sign that maybe they're struggling and when can we help them and prompt them to share and to talk? And most of us here are British and therefore we have that stiff upper lip that likes, means we like to shut down. When I was a university chaplain, we used to run a course in September for students who'd come from overseas to study in Britain. And we used a wonderful series of analogies. You know, when a British person says, and how are you, the answer is yes. And if in doubt, you talk about the weather. Oh, isn't it lovely today? Recognise that? We need to be honest with ourselves. And we need to have courage to share with our friends And ask our friends and be there standing with them as Peter and Zebedee's sons did with Jesus. First of all, we need to be honest when we struggle. Secondly, I think we need to be clear about what we want from God. Jesus says in verse 39, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but you will. Jesus prays three times in this passage, and I'll come to that in a moment. But in each time he prays, he's completely honest about what he wants. Let this cup pass from me. This has challenged me a bit, because I think often I try and work out what I think God wants, and then I ask for that. What I see here is Jesus saying, I don't want this, God. When we struggle, God is big enough for us to be honest with him. God is big enough for us to scream and shout and be angry with him. We can be honest about what we want from God. Be clear with God when we struggle. But of course that comes with the next bit that Jesus prays in verse 39 and verse 42. Because after we've been honest with what God, what we want from God... We have to do that trusting in God's will. For at the end of verse 39, Jesus says, But as you will. And again in verse 42. May your will be done. Yes, we can be completely honest with God about what we want. Dear God, I'd please like a new car parked outside the Mans this week. But as your will be done, oh dear, the Skoda's still there. We have to balance what we recognise we need and we want. With knowing that above all, we live in God's will. What Jesus does every time he prays is to say, I want what I want, but I know God, your answer might be that you have something better in store. It is much deeper than the words of a prayer. It is saying that we want to act in line with God's will. We're reaffirming as we say your will, God, our place as disciples of Jesus. We're acknowledging that whilst God gives us free will to make decisions, he also gives us free will to pray for what we want. But we say as those who've chosen to follow Jesus, that above all we want to do what God thinks is best. What God knows is best. Even when we struggle and we're challenged. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus finds. As Jesus asks for this cup to be taken from him, it isn't. But he trusts in the will of God. We must be honest. We must be clear about what we want from God. But we do that trusting in the will of God. And then finally, we must keep praying. For what we see Jesus do three times, in verses 39, 42, and then 44, is to pray. But interestingly, he prays slightly differently each time. In verse 39, let this cup pass from me. In verse 42, if this cannot pass from me unless I drink it. And then again the same in verse 44. When we must keep praying, we must do so recognising what God is doing. There's that old story of the man who's caught in the top of a flood and sits on the top of a church spire. And he says to God, God, please come and save me. And suddenly a boat passes and the man in the boat says, get in my boat. And the man on the top of the church spire says, no, don't worry, God will save me. And then a canoe passes by and the canoeist says, it might be a bit tricky, but balance on the back. And he says, no, 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 God will save me. And then a helicopter comes with a winchman and he says, no, 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 go away, God will save me. And then he dies and when he gets to heaven he says to God, why didn't you save me? And he said, I sent a boat, I sent a canoe and I sent a helicopter. What more did you want? It's an old story. In fact, it's one of those few children's addresses I remember from Sunday school because we had a local preacher who used it every time he came to preach. Um, LAUGHTER It's an old story, but the point of it is is that when we keep praying, we have to watch for what God does. Because the man in the Toppens Church spire didn't need to keep praying because the answer had been sent. And sometimes we keep asking and we don't look for the answers. So let's keep praying. Let's keep praying in God's will, but also let's look at what God does as we pray and respond to it. I think when we struggle if we can bring ourselves however hard it is to think about these four things to be honest to be clear to seek God's will and to keep ourselves in the presence of God then we will find that we draw closer and closer to God. It was when Jesus was close to God that God responded and offered us the gift Of life for us all. And of course following these four things. Is far easier said than done. Because what this passage does. Is to give us a framework. A framework of how we can pray when we struggle. And when we're in difficult situations. But within that framework comes all our emotions. And all our feelings. Comes those times when we don't feel better. Those times when we feel bitter. Those times when we feel angry. And I don't know about you, but when I feel like that, finding words to pray are incredibly difficult. Often I don't know the words that I want to say to God. Often I don't even know what I want, let alone what God wants. As I was thinking about this week, about this sermon, I was drawn to these words from Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, according to the will of God. When we cannot find the words to pray, simply stopping and sitting in the presence of God is enough simply stopping and lighting a candle and being in the presence of God because when we sit and acknowledge God's presence the Holy Spirit is with us the Holy Spirit will sigh for us without sigh too deep for words One of the great privileges of being God's people is that when we don't have the words, God has the words for us. And sometimes, if God having the words for us doesn't quite work, then we're very fortunate to be 2,000 years into the life of the church and lots of people have written lots of prayers. And that might sound somewhat flippant. But when I struggle, it's the words of the saints, some written thousands of years ago, that just echo what I want to say to God. And it may be that when you struggle to find the words, picking up a hymn book or googling your favourite song, or finding a prayer book, will give you the words that someone else has written that you can pray. So as we journey towards Easter together, this reading reminds us of the journey that we're about to enter. Of the story of Jesus' passion and death. It shows us that in Jesus we have a King and a Lord. Who knew the human life that we all experienced. Who had to pray in his struggles just as we have to pray. But it's a, remind, a reading that also reminds us of Jesus' death and resurrection. That in that all, his, all the victories that we need have been won. That by Jesus' death and resurrection our sins are forgiven. The doors are open for us to have a relationship with God. We are given new and eternal life. And just as I talked last week when we prayed for healing, about that being held in all that God has done done for us. As we look towards Easter, we see again the amazing gift that God gives us. And in that, all our struggles are held. It's in that gift that we find faith. It's in that gift that our struggles and pains and fears are transformed into faith and peace. So as we turn towards Jerusalem, as we look to Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday, may you journey through them with God. May you journey through them with God who is always faithful, who always hears, who always gives life. And as you journey through them, may you discover something new of the Easter story, something new of God and his amazing love for you. And as you journey above all, may we together know the transforming power of God in all that we do, in all the places that we struggle, and in all the places that we rejoice. Amen.